0: This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. It's such a blessing to be back in Montgomery, be with all of you. These have been some uh, uncertain times, right? Very, very unusual times. So, Vela and I got to come back and join you guys in this uh, uh, unusual season that we're in, not to mention all of that's going on with the elections, but it's a blessing to be back in the States. So, uh, hallelujah. 38 years, Brother Norris. It just doesn't, doesn't even seem possible. Uh, I had been in Uganda. I had been in Kenya, actually, one year at that point when I met you guys. And uh, so I have been in Africa apart from a nine year period when we were mostly in Montgomery since 1981. So Africa is very much home to me and Vale and we love it. Uh, I'm 65 now. I turned 65 this year. I mean you can't even think like that. When I went I was in my 20s. But uh, it was just amazing. It's all kind of surreal standing up here in front of you. And uh, I tried to get hold of Brother Steve yesterday and couldn't get hold of him, but he and I talk frequently. And as you know, you guys sent him over to us last year. We had a wonderful time together and have a lot of things lined up that we're going to be doing. But then the COVID thing came and it hit Uganda, just like it hit here, and they locked down the country. And uh, we actually are still under a curfew. When we left, uh, the airport was closed until October. October 10th was the day they opened the airport. There was, or 13th, no going in or no going out. Uh, it was not an easy thing for us when Vale's sister kind of unexpectedly passed away during that time. Uh, she lived in uh, Dothan, Alabama, and Vale was unable to fly out to even go to her sister's funeral. So that was a. I'm sure some of you have testimonies like that of loved ones in the hospital. You couldn't even get in to see them, but. It's been hard for a lot of people, and we just uh, rejoice that we have the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, to be there for us, amen. One of the things that uh, I have found recently that has been a huge comfort to me is the Passion Translation. I don't know how many of you have discovered that. I think Brother Norris refers to it from time to time. But uh, a friend of mine kept referring to it, Brother Terry Nance, and so I just went ahead and downloaded it and bought it. And it has been a huge blessing to me. And what I would like to do is just to read a few verses that I have put in place here that I wanted to read to you guys from the Passion Translation. And then I want to share some things from what's going on in Uganda and then kind of segue over into some words of encouragement from the Word of God. Uh, So let me pull this up. It's only on my phone. I don't have the hard copy of that thing yet. Okay, Ephesians. We're going to start. Don't try to follow along in your Bibles. Just listen to the wording. I think this man must have been under a very powerful anointing when he wrote the New Testament uh, and what God gave him in this Passion Translation. So I'm gonna read verses one through three and then I'm gonna kinda jump around a little bit, finishing up in Ephesians three, verse 21. I'm not reading the whole thing, just a few chosen verses here and there. I just remember, this is for us. And this is the Apostle Paul, not only speaking to the people in Ephesus, but the Apostle Paul under the supernatural powerful anointing of the Holy Spirit by the Holy Spirit speaking to us today. Dear friends, my name is Paul and I was chosen by God to be an apostle of Jesus, the Messiah. I'm writing this letter to all the devoted believers who have been made holy by being one with Jesus, the anointed one. May God himself, the heavenly Father of our Lord Jesus Christ release grace over you and impart total well-being into your lives. Isn't that beautiful? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a loved gift from our wonderful heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ, wrapped into Christ this is why we celebrate him with all of our hearts now I'm going up to chapter two nope I'm going to go I'm going to go ahead and go with verse 15 through 20 in chapter one because of this since I first heard about your strong faith in the Lord Jesus Christ now remember think of this is the Apostle Paul speaking to you individually this morning. Since I first heard about your strong faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your tender love toward all his devoted ones, my heart is always full and overflowing with thanks to God for you as I constantly remember you in my prayers. I pray, this is a prayer, that we're gonna receive this morning from the Spirit of God prayed over us. It's eternal. It's not something that was just prayed once. It was prayed for the Ephesus believers, but it was prayed for us also. I pray that the light of God, I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him Through your deepening intimacy with him, I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling, that is, the wealth of God's glorious inheritances that he finds in us, his holy ones. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. Oh, man. I just want to take off right there, but I'm going to, we're going to share some other stuff first. That is just amazing. Wow. Now, chapter two, verse 10. You know, the whole book of Ephesians is a book that was the Holy Spirit gave to us to reveal to us who we are in Christ and what we have received in Christ, what is already ours. It's a, it's a revelation. Verse 10, we have become His poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny He has given each of us, for we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny. And the good works we would do to fulfill it. Two have now become one. And we live restored to God and reconciled in the body of Christ. Through his crucifixion, hatred died. For the Messiah has come to preach this sweet message of peace to you, the ones who were distant and to those who are near. And now, because we are united to Christ, we both have equal and direct access in the realm of the Holy Spirit to come before the Father. So you are not foreigners or guests, but rather you are the children of the city of the Holy Ones with all the rights as family members of the household of God. You are rising like the perfectly fitted stones of the temple and your lives are being built up together upon the ideal foundation laid by the apostles and prophets. And best of all, you are connected to the head cornerstone of the building, the anointed one, Jesus Christ himself. The entire building is under construction and is continually growing under his supervision until it rises up completed as the holy temple of the Lord himself. This means that God is transforming each one of you into the Holy of Holies. We become an individual, Holy of Holies, His dwelling place through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. I just want to read a few more verses. I mean, this is I can't, there's nothing I can say that's going to improve on what we're hearing right now from the Holy Spirit. It doesn't get any better than this. 314. So I kneel humbly in awe. before before the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and on the earth. And I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Then, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. Man. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Now we offer up to God all the glorious praise that rises from every church in every generation through Jesus Christ, and all that will yet be made manifest through time and eternity. Amen. Hallelujah. God is so good. And we're going to swing back around to some of these uh, uh, concepts here and and realities where faith is concerned and and who we are in him. But I wanted to share a really interesting testimony with you guys. Uh, I went back to Uganda in 2009, uh, Bail and I, and we moved there and got involved in a supernatural way with microfinance, which is what we went to do. Before I left, uh, Pastor Steve and I were having lunch together one day, and he said, Mike, I have a word from the Lord for you. And I said, okay. And he said, I think it might be that there. Is that going to do it? Okay. He said, what you're going to do is uh, unfamiliar. You're going to be going into unfamiliar uh, realms and paradigms that you've never worked in before. And he said, your tendency is going to be to fall back, to lean back on the familiar, and the Holy Spirit wants to encourage you that he will teach you, he will take you into the place of success and victory in the new paradigm, in the whole new realm that he's taken you into. So I kept that in the forefront of my mind, is that I wasn't going to just do traditional missions like I had done before, even though the Holy Spirit said build on the foundation that you've already laid there. So I I knew that there was a connection to what I'd done before, but that God was going to be doing a new thing. Part of what I felt like was I began to really be challenged by a lot of things I was reading, Brother Norris, regarding marketplace ministry and the role of the believer, not just in the role of the minister, not just in the church, but in education, in politics, in uh, the home, in arts and entertainment, in the media, and maybe most importantly of all, in the marketplace, out where the people are. That's where Jesus spent his ministry. And so I began to get very challenged about the possibility of going back to Uganda, getting involved in the marketplace and creating income streams, if God would would allow me to do that, that would help us to finance the work that was going on even after we had left. So that was the vision and the dream that I had, so we got involved in microfinance in a very supernatural way. And the purpose of microfinance is you loan money to the poor. I mean, the dirt poor, poorer than we can imagine here in in America. And the purpose of that loan is to help them. Theoretically, theoretically, they're going to take that small loan and they're going to use it to expand or to create their own small business. Which what we're trying to do is empower them to do something. Well, when people are in desperate poverty, they're not really thinking about creating anything, are they? They're they're thinking about surviving. So they would take this money that I thought they were gonna use to, to expand their small business, and they would use it to pay school fees. And the next thing I know, all I've done is put a debt burden on thousands of Ugandans, and it, it, it just tore me apart. The con- the idea that we were doing this, that we were hurting them. And the next thing I know, I was having pain down in my chest. And in 2013, one night, I woke up in the night and I knew that something wasn't right. I did not wake Vale up or tell her, so I took a couple of aspirin and I just started walking around and I got up the next morning early. And before there was a lot of traffic, I went to the doctor. Okay, now let me back up just a little bit. That was 2013. In May of 2013, I felt strongly impressed from the Lord to buy health insurance. I felt strongly impressed. Well, it took me a while to get it going. We had to get physicals and all of that. And we made our first premium payment on August 15th. Okay, $450 for a monthly premium for me and Vale and it was for Africa. We could go to any place in Africa. It was good insurance from a real good company. So now I'm at the doctor's office September 10th, 9th, somewhere in there like that. And so the doctor became very concerned and the next thing I know he's got me on Plavix and he's got all these protocols going even though I wasn't having a lot of pain at that moment. And uh, so he said, do you have insurance? Or she said, do you have insurance? I said, yes, here I have this card. So I gave the insurance card. She left the room and came back and she said, well, I've just spoken to your insurance company. They've approved. We're airlifting you over to Nairobi to see a cardiologist, uh, Dr. Silverstein, an American cardiologist. So I called Vale and much to her shock, I said, pack a, a carry-on bag. They're airlifting me to Nairobi and She played it cool, packed the bag, came there and said, what is going on, Mike? And I told her. So off we went to Nairobi, ambulances screaming, going through town. And it was was just very, very interesting to go through that. So we got there. Dr. Silverstein did an angiogram, ran that thing up my leg, looked inside my heart. About 15 seconds later, he said, well, I've seen enough. And I said, oh, man, that's, you know, I felt, that's great. And I said, Are you going to put a stent in my heart? He said, No, no, no stent. No, you can't do a stent. And I said, Okay. He said, Would you prefer to go to South Africa or to go to the States? And I said, What are you talking about? He said, Son, you're going to have open heart surgery. I said, What? He said, And he showed me on the computer screen with the angiogram on a blockage at a certain point in the left main artery going into my heart. And I said, Well, South Africa, because I knew my insurance covered South Africa. He said, give me give me your insurance card so he went in there came back in about 10 minutes and he said well they're sending a jet from south africa to pick you up and take you to the sunning hill hospital in south africa and he said i'm friends with the number one infant heart surgeon in the world in south africa and he's agreed to do the surgery for you so it wasn't long after that we're in another ambulance going back to the airport And there's this Bombardier, beautiful private jet with two doctors on board and a hospital bed. Bale and I were the only people on it, plus the doctors and the pilots flew us down to South Africa. That flight alone was $60,000. We haven't had to pay a penny at this point. We get down there. They tell me they're going to do the surgery. They put Bale in a guest house. Then the lady from the insurance company comes, and she said, well, your insurance covers everything, 100%. She said, Except, and she said "And this she said so I've got some bad news and I said what is it she said we're not going to cover your wife's meals I said well I think we can manage that one that's no problem so they put her in a beautiful guest house near the hospital where I stayed for a week had a double bypass surgery saints I didn't have to pay a penny well I take that back I paid a $450 premium three weeks before the Holy Spirit saved me. (laughs) He saved me. The Holy Spirit, it's just what we were reading. He wasn't finished with me or I would have died. The doctor told after the surgery, he said, Mike had about a week to live. The blockage was that severe. Uh, And he said at any given time, it could have, something could have happened. If any kind of small clot, anything had come through and blocked it, he would have been done. So uh, I just give God praise and glory for that. Talking about that he has our lives in his hands and how there's so much more to his affection and his plan for us than we even realize. Well, I really went through a very, very difficult time as a result of the microfinance not being what I thought it was supposed to be. Because when I went to Africa in the beginning, one of the things I recognized was as much as I was preaching the gospel and sharing and and. Uh, and preaching faith it really didn't seem to be making a huge impact on the lives of the people and what I found out was poverty is a horrible taskmaster and it's one of the most terrible things in the world and it keeps people in bondage they can't think straight they can't they can't really hear what you're teaching when they're struggling just to survive and so I went back thinking microfinance can empower them. We, we, we're going to continue to share the gospel, but the microfinance can empower them in the financial realm so they can create and grow their own small businesses and, and break out of poverty. But it didn't happen that way. Something was missing. Well, the next thing that we tried to do was plant trees. So we got very involved with another missionary friend of ours, and so we started growing and dispersing trees. And I figured out how if they planted a certain number of trees, including some, uh, some grafted fruit trees, mango trees, orange trees, within 18 months, they're going to get X number of bags of mangoes. It's going to quadruple their income. And this is literally going to become the, the legacy for their family, for their kids, for their grandkids. Well, it didn't work. It just didn't work. I can go into detail about why it won't work, but it just didn't work. And so in a very unique way, God brought me into contact with another man who really was was a new Christian, and he wasn't all that mature in the things of God. He was converted out of Islam, and he had worked with savings groups. And so to just kind of cut to the chase, what I discovered was this. When someone poor begins to save, Even though you think you're so poor you can't save, when they begin to save, even if it's what amounts to like a nickel or a dime in our world, if they do that faithfully every week and they meet together in this group, it creates a dynamic in their life and it's like a switch comes on and all of a sudden they're not only thinking about today, they're thinking about the future there's a future. When you're saving, there's a future. And I'm not, I'm not here to talk about saving. You can apply that in your own life however you choose. I'm talking about over there. But this, I began to see, was the most important thing. And Menya has won awards from the United Nations. I mean, he's an amazing man. And I said, Menya, are you willing, I know you do poultry projects, you do honey projects, you do uh, goat projects and, 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 and cow projects, are you willing to work with people outside of your savings groups? He said, well, if they're involved in savings, in another savings group, yes. But if they are not saving, no, we will not work with them. I said, why? He said, because the light hasn't come on yet. Until they start saving, there's really nothing you can do. And all of a sudden, I began to see that after this long journey of decades in Africa, the Lord began to show me what it really takes to make a difference in the lives of the poor. And there's 45 million people in Uganda. Can you imagine? 45 million people. When I first went there, I think it was 20. But it's the fastest growing population in the world. The average age is 14 and a half. So there's lots of young people and the opportunities abound. Uh, maybe Brother Steve shared with you guys that we have a three-pronged uh, vision for ministers training with our own churches I think we have right at 20 churches then we're going to do ministers training for young aspiring ministers that we want to do and then we're going to do ministers training for those save not ministers training but discipleship training for those savings groups so those are the things that we have lined up for the future we would have been full speed ahead already by now but the COVID shut everything down. Churches got closed. They're not even fully open yet. So that's, that's where we're headed. And I'm very excited about that. In the meantime, uh, when this whole thing with the microfinance kind of fell apart, I got involved with another thing that had to do with road repair. I did not ask for it. I did not know anything about it. I didn't try to do anything god just kind of dropped something in my lap and all of a sudden we're purchasing a road repair machine for patching potholes and you have to see the potholes in uganda to believe it you have to see it to believe it i mean you can't fathom how bad the roads can be i mean to tear your car up in half a mile it's just incredible the the challenge there with that And we got connected to some real high-level government officials and they were going to give us all this work that day and night we'd never be able to stop working. So I called my son-in-law, who's a civil engineer. He was living with my daughter uh, in Wales. And so he said, I would love to be a part of that because he loved being and traveling around the world in his job. So they came and he began to work as the senior engineer. We got the contract, went out on the road and started working. Then my other son, who's a nuclear engineer, Brad, who may, I don't know if you guys have met Brad or not, but uh, anyway, he came too. So I, we're just happy as we can be. We're, we're going along, we, we're working, we, the ministry's doing great. I've got my daughter, my grandsons, uh, my, my son-in-law and my son are all there. And then all of a sudden that contract stopped and I just assumed we'd get another contract. And then those engineers sat me down and without going into a lot of detail, they basically said, we're not going to give you another contract. I said, why? What's wrong with the work? There's nothing wrong with the work. Work's great. I said, well, would would I get another contract? They said, you didn't take care of us. You know what that means. You didn't take care of us. So I didn't know how to deal with that. I didn't understand what, how to process that information. And I have to admit, I just started kind of panicking, and I let go of my faith. And I started dealing with things in the natural, trying to fix it myself. So I sold my truck, bought airline tickets for all my family, and I said, go back to America, you're on your own. And then then that kind of sent me into a deeper depression. And so I just remember just sitting on the couch. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. Not only was my family gone, my vehicle was gone. And there we were. I couldn't even pay rent. And I had a Muslim landlady. So I went to this Muslim landlady and I told her, I said, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to, to pay rent. So we need to move out. And she said, Mike, I don't even care about that. I believe that you're in our house for a reason. And don't you worry about it. And for two years, we didn't have to pay her rent living in this house. That's another miracle of God's provision. But I couldn't see God at work in my life during that time. And so I'd get, I sunk deeper into depression. And I'm not prone to depression. Only time in my life I've ever been in depression. And I, I became so frustrated that I said, bail I don't want you to see me like this. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I'd already had the heart surgery. I said, I don't think I'm going to make it. And I said, I don't want you, I, I'm not going to allow you to sit here and watch me wither away and become a different man than who you married. I said, I want you to go back to America. And she said, for how long? I said, I don't know. I'll tell you when you can come back if you even want to come back. I wouldn't blame you if you didn't. I mean, I thought, why would she want to come back to me? Why would she want to come back into this mess? And so she got on the plane. I kind of forced her. And she got on the plane and went back to America. Was gone for seven months. I didn't see her. We talked on the phone and on Skype and stuff like that. But otherwise, I didn't see her. And I was just trying to figure things out. And that's not the way to handle things like that. So what I finally did is I was just sitting there feeling sorry for myself. And I said, okay, I'm going to get, I mean, I'd quit reading the Bible. I'd quit praying. I mean, I, I, I would talk to the Lord, but just in passing. Okay, Lord, you know, I mean, but I didn't just sit down and try to pray something through. I didn't know what to say. I felt like I'd already said everything. So I went back to the foundations of faith. And I thought, the least I can do is watch a YouTube. I'm serious. I couldn't do anything else. But I thought I could watch a YouTube. So I went and I found some Brother Hagin YouTubes. And I started watching, I watched a 30-minute Brother or a 45-minute Brother Hagen YouTube. I didn't really feel anything. But I said, I'm going to do this for a week. I'm telling you, by the end of the week, I was feeling something something was stirring. The Word of God, the anointing of God was beginning to rekindle in my heart. Then I really got bold and I said, I'm gonna watch a Brother Copeland video. So I watched Brother Copeland. And then I I started, then I discovered Andrew Womack. And I started listening to Andrew Womack. And then I started listening to others. Then I found myself back in the Word again and studying and having a hunger. And I began to make my faith declarations again and I began to speak and declare and begin to understand that faith is a lifestyle and it's something that we do and it's something things that I thought that I knew but I had to revisit again in my 60's to get it again and I began to feel good and then I thought you know what I can be better so I started exercising I'd let myself go I'd gotten way overweight so I started using resistance bands and I'd get up in the morning and I started working out So when I finally started looking better, feeling healthy, and feeling strong again spiritually, I called Vail and I said, come back, come back. So Vail came back, and since that time, we've really seen the hand of God, and it's just been, it's not a bed of roses any time you're in Uganda. You always fight battles. You always have struggles. There's always incredible, impossible challenges, but God is there But you have the promises of God. And all the promises of God are in Him, yes, and in Him, amen. And those promises are our destiny. Those promises, our destiny is in that. So we begin to, I mean, live in a place of of really high hope and also in a place of faith. So what I'd like to do is, is share with you guys some of those things that really touched my life and some of the truths that I begin to see and be refreshed in. this is not something that you haven't heard. it may not be it may be something that you already know. but I want to stir you up again as I was looking reviewing my notes from before, I got stirred up all over again, just thinking about this. first of all, remember. In Genesis 1.26, it says we're made in the image of God. Amen? You are made in God's image. I am made in God's image. In John chapter 3, Jesus said the spirit gives birth to spirit. So we are spirit beings. God is a spirit. We are spirit beings. So God sees us spiritually. We are spirit. God's not just dealing with you in the natural, in your flesh. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says that we are a new spirit creation. We're a new creation. Something happened at the new birth in our spirit, and we are a new creation connected eternally to God himself. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. When God looks at us, when God looks at you, he sees Jesus he sees the blood of Jesus. He sees the righteousness of Jesus. He doesn't see what you see when you get up in the morning and look in the mirror and you're not too happy about what you see. God doesn't see that. God sees your spirit. He sees something perfect and pure created in righteousness and true holiness. That's what God sees. In our spirit, which is the dwelling place, we're as holy and as righteous as Jesus himself is because he's dwelling there by his spirit. Hallelujah. I began to get stirred up as I began to see these truths again and hear it taught and and study it out and incorporate it and meditate on it. In 1 John 4, 17 is one of the most incredible verses in the Bible. As he is, so are we in this world. Well, that's not this what you see. That's what's in here. That's what's in here. Hallelujah. So it's there. If you're born again, you inside, you are as he is. Right this minute as you sit here in this church, you are as he is. Lord, have mercy. These are just fundamental truths. That's all it is. There's a verse in 2 Corinthians that says, now thanks be unto God which always causes us to triumph in Christ and we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ. We are, he doesn't see us the way we think we are. He sees something truly different. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world and this is the victory that overcometh the world even our faith. Hallelujah. One translation says we achieve this victory through our faith. Another translation says every child of God can defeat the world and our faith is what gives us this victory. I love that. I love that. One of the ways that I study the Bible, and I'm sure a lot of you do too, is I go to Bible Hub. How many of you are familiar with Bible Hub? It's an online You just Biblehub.com. It has nearly every translation. You can just read it. You can click on a verse, and then it'll give you that same verse in every translation. And man, when you take a verse, like that's how I got turned on to the Passion Translation. But once you take a verse and it just kind of is expounded in a different way through a different translator, it's like lights come on, and you just start seeing things differently. My favorite is still the King James But I I love these other translations too. During the prayer, the brother that was praying up here, he prayed along the lines of 1 John 5.14, which is that if we pray anything according to the will of God, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Hallelujah. There's something that I was missing. I had forgotten the finished work of Christ and what already belonged to me as a son. And that's something that I really want us to kind of focus in on, and I read the verses that I read really focused in on that in Ephesians. When you go to God in prayer, you must be knowing, you must be aware Of who we are. Who you are. And we're accepted in the beloved. You have to be aware of that. And you have to be aware of what he has already done. What he's already done. When we have a need. And Lord did I have needs. I had so many needs you can't fathom. I mean my children were gone. My wife was gone. My business seemed to be gone. Everything was gone. I couldn't even do the microfinance that I'd come to do. But when we have a need, it is not a matter of us going to God to get him to do something. How many times has my prayer been to go to God and try to get him to do something for me? God, you need to do something. That's just, that's not just praying wrong. It says sometimes we ask and we don't receive because we ask Amiss. That's asking amiss. When you ask God to do something he's already done, I love what you said about doubt, brother. I need, I'm going to write that down. But it, it means that we are either in doubt and unbelief or we're just ignorant of God's word if we're asking him to do something that he's already done, right? That's just logical. God has already supplied everything we will ever need. Think about this. What day did God make man? what day in creation did God make man? What did he create before he made man? Everything else. So before we were ever made, God had already created all the provision that we would ever need. It was already there. And when we were reading in Ephesians earlier, it talked about how things had already been done before in provision and and everything had already been taken care of even before we were born. You do not have to get God to do something. You don't. That's, that's how I see things right now. That's how I see things right now. Everything you need from God is already yours. I truly believe that with all of my heart. I'm 65. I've been in this since I was 23 years old. Longer than that, actually. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I count from there because that's when my life got transformed. You don't need your prayers to get up to heaven. Because God is in you. Hallelujah. The entire book of Ephesians, the more you study it, the more revelation you'll get about what God has already done. We aren't fighting for a victory, saints. We're we're in a position of victory already. It was done at the cross. We must believe in what he has done. We must believe in what he has done. In Ephesians 1.3, in the King James, it just says we're blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ. It's something that's already been done. How many times have I asked God to bless me? I mean, people ran around with the prayer of Jabez. I'm not trying to put the prayer of Jabez down, but oh, God bless me. That's the prayer of Jabez, right? God, bless me. I don't ask God to bless me anymore. Why? He's already blessed me. I've been blessed with all blessings and spiritual places in Christ. If I'm not blessed, it's not on God. That's on me. We can't get more blessed than we already are right now. You're as blessed as you're ever going to get. That doesn't mean that you're not going to, that you're not, that you can't receive more of that but technically speaking, you're as blessed as you're already going to get. There is no blockage in the pipeline on his side. If there's a blockage, it's on our side. And that's good news. Because if there was something, if there was something between, that God couldn't do, if something was wrong with God, we'd be in trouble. But if it's something that we're in, that's wrong with us, we can fix that. We can fix that. That's the good news. No matter what our problem, whatever we're facing, just know for certainty it's on us. Not on him. And we can, we can... That's why you come to church and you hear the word and you sit under the anointing and you let the Holy Spirit reveal to you how to make the corrections and the changes that you need that will unblock those blockages and allow more of what belongs to you to flow into your life. Hallelujah. We must learn how to get the power out of our spirit. The Bible says... The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells here. I mean, that's more powerful than a nuclear bomb dwelling right inside your heart, brother, inside of you. There is more power than than all the nuclear weapons in the world combined, sitting right in here. If that can get manifested out into the natural, oh God, we're we're God men. We're something beyond, we're not mere men. We're something different, we're a new creation. (laughs) <laughs> Glory. if we could just see it if, if we ever do see it, it we're changed forever and the world around us is changed forever faith converts the word to power I picked that up from Bishop David Oyedepo I love that saying and I've got it on that's what pops up on my phone when I turn it on faith converts the word to power I, I've been spending a lot of time over Thanksgiving with some people that uh are very very religious they love talk about scripture but, there, but there's no faith sad to say it's very very religious what's happening they may have the word they may know some of that but it's never converted to power because there's no faith there's no faith in it we must learn to get something from our spirit because that's where the Holy Spirit dwells think of this redemption is a finished work, right? We know that. Redemption is finished. That's based on the substitutionary sacrifice of Christ. What did he not do? What could what was not accomplished at Calvary? Everything. We our sins were forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. You don't you don't have you don't have a sin problem. You may you you may in this life be sinning. And that's going to create a blockage for you. It's going to, you you can break fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You can grieve the Spirit of God and you can reap the reward of that sin in this life. But as far as God is concerned, Jesus forgave your sins. You know that. That's how we got born again. Also, where healing is concerned. Where healing is concerned, I mean, Jesus bore our sicknesses and he carried our pains and by his stripes we were healed. Healing belongs to us. It is ours. We have to receive it. We have to receive it. Uh, Poverty. Though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, so that we, through his poverty, might be made rich. Total provision is there for us. The idea that I have to pray and somehow persuade God to just trickle down a little blessing my way. Don't forget about me, Lord. You know, trickle a little something down on me. I mean, that, that may make you feel good in the flesh, but there's no faith in that. There's no faith in that. God may answer that prayer, and good for you if he does, but, but faith, he'll always answer. Faith doesn't fail. Hallelujah. Saints, I'm getting ready to close, but never again do we ask God to do something he's already done. Never again. Prayer, I want to just read this. Prayer is communication with God, believing and receiving what He has already given to you in Christ. Everything you will ever need is in Jesus. And when you made Him Lord of your life, it was given to you. Given. All that remains is for it to be received. Amen? It has to be brought from the spiritual realm into the physical, natural realm. Hallelujah. And Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, I want to thank you, Pastor Norris Passion Church, for your continued prayer for, for Vale and I, Vale and me, and for for your support for us, and it has, it has sustained us. Like I said, we, you just can't fathom some of the challenges that we faced. I, and I mean, I have one friend. I have a minister friend, and I, I would share with him. Brother Norris, I would tell his name's Terry Nance. Maybe you've read The Armor Bearer, God's Armor Bearer, but Terry's a very good friend of mine. I would share things with Terry. And Terry told me one day, you know what he told me? He said, Mike... He said, every time I think I'm having a hard time or I'm in trouble, he said, I just think of you and then the joy of the Lord hits me. (laughs) So I I had that kind of effect on him. (laughs) Oh, he said, you're the only man I know that has his own personal Beelzebub. But, uh, (laughs) I mean, the enemy, when you go to the mission field, the Lord is there but you really have to keep your faith level up if you're going to succeed and do well and accomplish anything because the, it's it's not like this nation it's not founded on uh, on on the gospel and making a covenant with god when they got off the boat it's built on witchcraft and all kind of other dark stuff but anyway let me pray for you hallelujah father thank you for pastor norris and cindy for Brother Steve and Denise and for all of the staff in this church and for every believer, for their families, their children, their grandchildren, their their extended families, I pray your blessing over them. Lord, let the blessing of God that you have provided be made manifest in their life. May they receive more and more of what you have already Purchased for them. May the covenant blessings of God be made manifest in each of these lives that are here this morning. Lord, may they, through the words of the Holy Spirit, not anything that I have said, but what maybe the Holy Spirit has spoken to their heart, may it cause faith to rise up because faith is the victory that overcometh the world. Lord, through faith, they can receive anything and everything. And Lord, we know. Your word says that with you, all things are possible. No one has a problem with that. Every, even the world knows that. But your wor- word also says all things are possible to him who believes. So, Lord, increase our belief, Lord. We pray. Help us, Lord. We, 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 we ask you, Lord, do a work in us to help us to, to re- be able to believe more, to exercise a higher level of faith. And we thank you, Lord, for giving us a passion for your word, a passion for the presence of Jesus, a passion, Lord, for the things of God, and not be enticed by the things of this world and the distractions of this generation, but Lord, that through it all, we keep our eye on you, knowing that, that you are the pearl of great price, and that you are, are everything to us and everything that we could ever aspire to be, Lord, you, it's in you. We love you, Lord Jesus. I thank you for Passion Church. Lord, I thank you for bringing increase in their finances. I thank you for bringing increase in their membership. I thank you, Lord, for bringing increase in any area that they need it. We thank you for it, Lord. We love you this morning, Lord Jesus. We give you praise and glory. Thank you for your sacrifice, all that you did, all that you've provided for us. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Brother Norris, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. Amen. Good work. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You <laughs> know,